belated thanksgiving to everybody out there here in the united states and to all the outside the united states happy friday or saturday wherever you may be it is time for another edition of the no spots weekly wrestling podcast it is episode 182 we are 18 away from the big 200 and we have a lot to cover this week with full gear happening last week survivor series happening this weekend and a whole lot of other wrestling to talk about throughout so welcome I am DC's People's Champ from the People Studios in Alexandria, Virginia. I am joined alongside my tag team partner, as always, to my left, your right, if you are watching our live stream on twitch.tv slash truenospotspod, coming to us from the regular basement this week, none other than the Dark Sith Lord himself, Sif. Hello, Skagashimas. Yeah, welcome everyone to the regular basement where we are feeling the turkey hangover part two. Uh, thanks for all followers, chatters, lurkers, subscribers, people listening on our audio platforms, and people finding us for the very first time. A warm welcome to you all. I got to say this off the back. We've got a big short store for you all, and we're going to try to do what we did last week. We're going to try to do this week as well. So buckle up. It's going to be a wild ride. Champ, what's going to the people studios in the ABA get side? A lazy day today. Had a day off from work. That's why we're on this early on a Friday because I had a day off from work. I got I literally woke up at like ten o'clock this morning and it felt great to like wake up late and just chill all day. Blah blah blah. blah. Been just still binge watching Kitchen Nightmares. I'm rewatching seasons and shit because it's just that good. But other than that, we are here to talk some wrestling. So before we get to the agenda for our people that are watching us on our Twitch stream, we do have Hector here present as always. Uh, thank you for being here, Hector. We have Sunshine here who has resubbed for 10, uh, for 10 months and has cheered 50 bits. Thank you, Sunshine. Appreciate you. Love you and all of that. So without further ado, here's what we have today on the podcast. Uh, we have in our news and notes segment three injury updates, one involving a, a few Hall of Famer, one involving an up-and-coming NXT superstar, and one involving an AEW superstar. On top of that, another AEW superstar explains why he has had a change in direction in his character, and we also have an update on a former AEW superstar and his future in professional wrestling. That is coming up in our news and notes. Next, in our New Japan recap, we're going to recap what happened at no at New Year at New Japan Showdown last week for New Japan Strong, as well as give you the results from another night in the World Tag League Super Junior Tag League Tour as Super Junior Tag League once again took center stage again this morning, this morning Friday with a, a big big upset in the main event of today's show, as well as another 
Clipper team continuing to go undefeated to start off the tournament. We'll tell you all about that in the in our New Japan recap segment. Then in our third segment, of course, because we are having back-to-back weekends of pay-per-views we are lumping it all into one segment with a recap of an amazing epic aew full gear 2022 card where we recap that look back on that and give our final grades for that and then we're going to turn around and we are going to preview the upcoming wwe survivor series 2022 war games event coming up this saturday where we're going to look at the card and give our preliminary grades for that event as well and as as always we will be live reacting to Survivor Series Saturday night exclusively on our Twitch channel, twitch.tv slash true no spots pod. We will begin around 7.45 around that time, maybe a little bit uh, later, closer to 8 o'clock. But just know that it will be myself, Sith, and most likely Sage. If you listen to our New Japan podcast, which we recorded on, on, on Thanksgiving night and it went up on Friday, Sage did... Uh, invite himself to join us for the uh, pot for the live reactions. So we'll see if he will join or not. He said he's got to make sure. Um, and I just I just saw your message, Sif. So oops. <laughs> no, because I can say you never know what will happen. So yeah. that way the doors open for him if he's too busy not to be there. But if he's going to be there, oh lord. <laughs> yeah, so last time we did have Sage as part of our watch along, our live reactions was for Forbidden Door, and we had one of our most viewed TikToks ever like insane. on our channel. That was a great moment there. We even talked about it on the podcast as well, if you want to go back and listen to that. Uh, but that's what we have for you on the third segment. And of course, uh, the Sith will be leading us in our look back on the week in wrestling to see what was good and what was down, what downright needs to be put in the dirt. And then, of course, we have final thoughts at the end. So, ladies and gentlemen, it's almost the top of the hour here in the East Coast. It is now time to kick this off. Let's do it. Referee, ring the bell. Absolutely, referee. Do your thing. All right, now we begin our look in the news at a potential future Hall of Famer for WWE and an update on their injury that they have been dealing with for the longest time. We're talking than multiple-time world champion Randy Orton. His injury to his back has been in the news for weeks now after he was written off of TV after he and Matt Riddle lost the Raw Tag Team Championships to the Usos and then was written out with an injury angle uh, on TV. But it has now been reported via Fightful Select, shout-out to Sean Ross Sapp and the crew there, uh, that... Orton underwent surgery to fuse his lower back. So he did have surgery on his back. And the procedure that took place would keep him out for a significant period of time. Uh, there, is, uh, there are sources that are close to FIFA that sold them that, the, the, that WWE would be lucky to have Orton return to the ring uh, after the injury, given that the injury, given the injury severity and the length of time that Randy Orton has been wrestling in WWE, which has been 20 years. Um, there was no there was no date on when the surgery took place and there's and because of that there's no timetable as to when the viper will return there were rumors swirling around that he would be out through the into next year but now hearing that he's had fusion surgery on his lower back it is pretty much a guarantee that he will not be back until sometime next year uh and it's also no word on what effect uh him being off for this injury will have a uh, uh what effect that will have on his contract. Uh, Sith, 
Now that we know that there's been surgery, but with no timetable, what are we thinking? What what time frame are we thinking Randy Orton returns? I would say no earlier than May. I don't mean to sound grim about things, but spinal surgery on your back. And uh, the, the, I'm seeing at least the month of May of the lucky. I, I want him to come back healthy, but I'm also scared that we may have seen the last of the Viper in the ring. So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it it sucks, and, you know. And one of the worst injuries you could have as a wrestler is the back because you're take because you're taking bumps yeah. on a very hard surface. So having a back injury is almost almost career ending, just as bad, just as nearly a career ender as a neck injury. Um, mm-hmm. I had a friend of mine who's now a very uh, accomplished financial advisor. He went to train to be a wrestler, and he went and he did a over the. He, he was during his wrestling training. He went over the top rope and landed really hard on the mat outside, but it messed up his back to the point he had to quit wrestling before he even got started. He was in his twenties. Think about that in his twenties, and he had to quit wrestling before he even got started. So you look at Randy Orton, who is nearly fifty. He's been wrestling for twenty plus years. He's been wrestling twenty mm-hmm. years. And he's had this injury where he has to have his back fused. Oh man, I'm 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 very I'm not very optimistic that he will return. But if he does return, it would be very 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 very. It'd be a miracle in my opinion. But we'll see. Yeah. I'm not a doctor, but just given the fact that I had a friend in his, at, that was like close to 20, injured his back to the point he had to quit wrestling before he even started. Yeah, I I don't know. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not, I'm, I'm not feeling it, but we'll see. All right, next, we were going to talk about the. Let's see, here we go. We're going to talk about a former AEW star who went out and bet on off because now he is going to, he is now fully signed to a wrestling company, and that man is Alan Angels, the former Dark Order member, announced on the. Paltrowcast podcast that he has signed a full-time contract with Impact Wrestling. Uh, he mentioned on the podcast that he had signed the contract in October, but kept the news silent until the uh, storyline of him joining Violet by Design played out on TV, uh, which happened on the... Well, it actually happened on... Let's see. What did it happen? Oh, the November edition of Impact on Access TV mm-hmm. when him and Big Con yeah. uh, joined the faction attacking Sammy Callahan and aligning themselves with Diener and with Eric Young. Uh, he would say on that podcast, I believe I'm good at keeping a secret. I actually didn't know until a few days before I signed that they were, gonna, they were going to sign me. Uh, and then he would follow that up with a name change. He is no longer Alan Angels. He is just... Angels uh, saying, by the way, I'm just angels now, like Zendaya or Drake, but a bigger deal. 
Uh, after he announced they had signed with Impact uh, on that podcast, Impact released a statement uh, confirming uh, that he is now a, an official member of the promotion. Uh, what do you think about this one? Alan Angels left AEW because they were going to give him a per appearance deal instead of an actual contract. So he went and he bet on himself, and now he's got signed a full-time deal with Impact. Proof that you can bet on yourself at times, and it works out for the best. I knew that Angels deserved way more than a per appearance deal, to say the least. So what does he do? He bets on, his, on himself. He goes into Impact gets thrown into a stable. I mean, violent by design is nothing to shake your head at to begin with. So nothing but the best for for Angels, now Angels, his new name, um, in Impact Wrestling. And he's in a locker room that even Sammy Callahan says, it's not clickish. Everyone wants to get each other over. And- Jim- yeah. Yeah, this is a very this is a very good move for Angels. Like you said, he he bet on himself. He knew what his worth was. He went back out on the Indies and did his thing, and now he's back here. He now he's in a promotion and wrestling full time for a promotion and part of one of the most notable factions in all of wrestling, not just Impact Wrestling, but all of wrestling with Violent by Design, led by uh, a, a certified Hall of Famer in, for Impact and Eric Young. And, I mean, I think he's done all right for himself with this one, honestly. All right, we move on. And a current AEW star recently recently made an an appearance for a Q&A session and virtual signing where he explained why he had made such a drastic character change from being aligned to a to a newly crowned champion to now being back on his own with the perfect 10 gimmick again we're talking about sean spears uh as you know on the october 12th edition of dynamite uh spears made his first appearance on tv in five months uh when he once again became the perfect 10 and helped out ftr dealing with uh dealing with the embassy uh, he appeared in a shirt with his former mock, uh, that former moniker on it, uh, driving for backup for Dax Harwood and Cash Wheeler, dealing with the embassy. Uh, they would team up to pick up a victory on Rampage a few days later. Uh, but he was asked about that, you know, because just a few months prior, he was aligned with MJF as the surviving members of the Pinnacle. Uh, on a K&S WrestleFace virtual signing, he, had re- he revealed why his on-screen presentation was changed to where he was no longer affiliated with MJF, saying, quote, I think that was just the end of the story because the story was him, meaning Wardlow and Max. I was just a piece in that story. Uh, he said he didn't believe that uh, there were any future plans for him to be aligned with MJF, which is why uh, his character made the change. I think that was just we had a great run, a great time, a lengthy on TV every week uh, kind of story that we were running. We timed it and capped it off at the perfect time. Uh, so Spears did emphasize that the duo did need to go to their separate ways in order for it to set up for MGF uh, to have further success. And MGF did uh, have that further success, becoming the new AEW World Champion at uh, Full Gear, which we will talk about in, uh, in a few minutes. Uh, what do you think about this, Sith? I like how, you, how Spears just came out and just said, hey, it ended at the right time. Sometimes storyline angles go the correct way. Run of time and then you move on 
and apparently, according to Spears, they had to get him, you know, MGF ready to go to the next level, which has happened. So, all credit for Spears being a professional out there after the story is done and saying, hey, the story ran its course, and now we're coming back to over here. So, good shit. Agreed. Um, I, you know, a lot of times storylines angles they kind of run too long and then you get tired of it and then when you finally get the payoff uh, and it ends then you're just not feeling satisfied so clearly there was a payoff here he tried to help maxwell jacob freeman with Wardlow. he ends up getting it in the in the rear in the end and then he goes off tv and now he comes back and he can do something different uh with his character bring back the perfect 10 which was a very popular gimmick when he was in wwe yeah. so clearly and then with what happened with the heel turn that happened already Rampage uh, this past week, I think it's, it fits perfectly. So we'll see what happens. Moving forward, we have two injury updates to talk about, as we mentioned. We had three of them. Here's the second one. It has to do with an NXT superstar who is currently on the shelf with a knee injury. Talking about Ariana Grace, the daughter of former Intercontinental Champion Santino Marella. Uh, Grace recently uh, posted on Instagram a picture of her with knee braces saying, knee braces are just big accessories. Uh, as you know, the, the NXT superstar underwent surgery recently and has been absent from WWE programming after uh, she was a part of NXT Level Up tapings on October the 4th. Uh, she teamed up with Kiana James in a losing effort to Fallon Henry, Henley and Sol Ruka. Uh, she had then revealed that she had suffered an injury that would uh, render her unable to compete uh, and to require surgery. It comes to find out that the injury was a torn ACL and torn meniscus in her knee. Um, Grace did a... Uh, uh, reveal that news on her tiktok uh she did believe she does believe she will miss uh six months of in-ring action but she may be on track to return sooner than nine months uh recently santino morella her father did an interview with fightful select and said and noted that she has been rehabbing the injury and quote is hopeful for a spring return to the ring now although uh santino did describe the ordeal as a waiting game saying that it's going to be a spring return would put her a couple of months ahead of the nine month schedule which by my math would put her back in back in the ring in july so that is very very ambitious to think that with a torn acl and meniscus that she would be back before anytime before july but We'll see what happens. Morella did also say on the A to A A to the K wrestling show, uh, she he expressed similar optimism about his daughter's future. Quote: Everyone seems to be impressed with her ability to heal. So whenever uh, Grace does make a return, whether it is in the early spring, which would be around April or May, or if it is the full nine months, which is July, uh, he feels that uh, she will be a major player in the business, almost like Charlotte Flair. So, what do you think, Siv? You, do you do you honestly think with that kind of injury? Give now, granted, she's very young. She's young. She's in her twenties. When you're in your twenties, you heal a lot faster than when you're in your your forties or fifties. Like if I were to tear something in my knee, it would probably take me a year to heal from it. Whereas she's younger, is is that a fair assessment from Santino to say his daughter's going to return out inside of nine months? It could be. I mean, we had a Washington quarterback that recovered from an ACL, MCL tear 
both tears and he came back in like eight months. So yeah, possibly over optimistic here, but as Champ said, when you're younger, your body heals faster. I'm pretty sure if I tore my ACL at the alternate basement tomorrow, I would be on the shelf for a fucking year. Okay, because I'm 48, I'm old. But that's just the, you know, nuts and breaks where he said, hope she gets well soon, hope Ariana gets well soon. But I'm hoping that when she's ready to come back, that she doesn't rush back. Because that could be disastrous. Yeah, I remember uh, 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 several years ago, Adrian Peterson suffered a torn ACL against mm-hmm. the Washington football team uh, when they were known by their old uh, old name. Uh, and it happened in, I think, late, like mid to late November of that season. Uh, it was fully expected mm-hmm. he would be he would not be back until towards the end of the season. And Peterson started the first game of the following season. That's at, that's actually like eight, like seven to eight months that he had, and he was back and started the first game of that yeah. season and went on to have a really good season. So anything's possible, anything's possible. But I would I would still not expect Ariana Grace back in NXT until July. And uh, sit. Uh, Siv yeah. Hector is saying in our t- our chat falls. I've had a knee injury eight years ago, and I'm not fully healed. And I've had physical therapy. See, so a lot of people's bodies are different. So again, that's another thing that goes into it is that people's bodies are different. People's bodies uh, react and heal differently. So you know, whereas Hector's knee injury is still not fully healed. Like I've had a I've dislocated my right knee twice, and it still gives me issues to this very day. And I've dislocated the first time when I was 17, and the second time when I was like I think in my late 20s, and no, it was my early 30s. Uh, and so it still gives me issues to this very day. So it, it is what it is. But we move on to our final news story, which is the other injury update we wanted to bring to you. And that happens to be with an AEW star and former TNT champion Scorpio Sky. Uh, as you know, Sky has been out of action since uh, he last wrestled on the July 6th. 2022 edition of Dynamite where he lost the TNT Championship to Wardlow in a street fight after having a 70-day reign for the, with the TNT Championship on his second reign. Uh, and so he had been out with a knee injury and no one knew what was going on with him. Uh, but we now know what's going on with Scorpio Sky. This comes from also from Fight from Select, saying that Sky has been medically cleared to return to uh, in-ring competition in AEW, and for quite some time has been cleared to compete. But he has yet to make an appearance on screen since being medically cleared. Uh, and they said that the reason he's not being used on TV is because the company doesn't have any specific creative plans for him uh, for the time being, uh, despite the fact they filmed content with Sky this summer. So once again, no creative keeps somebody off of TV, which kind of stinks. Um, that kind of stays, but the last time he was on TV, he was aligned with Dan Lambert and American Top, American Top Team. But as we know, Dan Lambert has gone his separate ways from uh, AEW and stuff like that. So, what do you think? When we will we see Scorpio Sky back in AEW? I hope so. 
Scorpio Sky, no matter if he's a heel or a babyface or a tweener, is a valuable commodity in your locker room. So to sit there and say, well, we've got nothing for him right now, you got to find something for him. Come on. He's not that hard to write for because he's awfully, ta- he's really talented. He's blessed with a major physique. And the guy's also a really good leader that you want in the locker room. So what's the deal, Tony? Why don't you have anything for my guy? Get your shit together, champ. I'm hoping that Silvio Sky returns very soon. Even if he just shows up on Dark or Dark Elevation, I think that the pop that he will get when he mm-hmm. returns is going to be massive because it's been four months. Yep. And that's the thing about wrestling fans that when you see don't see somebody for a long time, that pop becomes huge. Uh, and so he should be returning shortly. So there you go. Well, uh, like that's, yeah. What's that? I like Hector's idea right there. He should head to Impact to work for a bit while AEW decides something to do with them. Okay. Yeah, I mean... Or New Japan. Something. Like, give him something to do. You know, give him something to do. Don't have him sit around. Just give him something to do. No, that's a good idea. That's actually a really good idea. All right. Well, that's it for our news and notes for this week. A really quick... A really quick look back on what happened on New Japan really quickly is I don't know why I've hit that button, but here we are. Um, now, we had the third show in the New Japan Showdown Tour taking place at the Vermont Hollywood for New Japan Strong, which saw pretty Peter Avalon in action. He defeated uh, Kita in 8 minutes and 58 seconds. Uh, Chris Bay and El Phantasmo teamed up, and because of the art of finesse, were able to defeat Blake Christian and Mascara Dorada to, in 10 minutes and 44 seconds. And in our main event, uh, Homicide went head-to-head with Tom Lawler in an incredibly physical matchup that saw Homicide walk away with the victory in 13 minutes and 44 seconds to close out the third of four shows for the New New Japan Showdown Tour for Strong. And over in Japan, the continuation of the Super Junior Tag League 2022 tournament took place today in Gunma with uh, the opening match being Togi Makabe and Young Lions Kosei Fujita and Ryohei Oiwa defeated Asuka Leobe, Yuto Nakashima, and Tomaki Homa. Uh, Chase Owens, Taiji Ishimori, and Gato defeating Hiroyoshi Tenzan, Master Wato, and Jado, and... Uh, Shingo Takagi, Sonata, and Hiromu winning by countout over Desperado, Taichi, and Minoru Suzuki. In the in the Super Junior Tag League matches, uh, Leo Rush and Yo defeated Kevin Knight and Kushida. The final hours frog splash was the difference for that for the Chaos team to get to four points and a two-and-run record. Kushida and Knight dropped the one and two, remain at two points. Uh, Wild Hips were defeated by Alex Zane and L. Lindemann. The taco driver spelled the end for the Wild Hips team to send L. Lindemann and Zane to two po- to four points, two and one, dropping Wild Hips to one and two, remaining at two points. Flying Tigers con- uh, continue to be successful early on. They get their uh, second win of the tournament, defeating Yoshinobu Kanemaru and Doki. They are now at four points and two and one. While the Suzuki Goon Jr. team remains at 0 and 3. 
in our semi in our semifinal, the tag the electric tag team from Bullet Club of Chris Bay and Ace Austin went up against their fellow stablemates from the Bullet Club, part of House of Torture, Dick Togo and Show. It would be the one-two sweep and then the fold, and Bay and Austin remained the lone undefeated team in the Super Junior Tag League this year at six points. Show and Dick Togo remain winless as well as oh, zero points. Only reason why I say they alone undefeated team because in a massive upset in the main event, Teton and Bushi, who unsuccessfully challenged for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Championships back in Osaka earlier this month, were able to defeat Catch 2-2 with Angel Immortal to gain a pinfall victory and to get to four points, handing Catch 2-2 their first loss in the tournament. And that's where we are right now. Uh, a Bay and, and, and Austin remain at the top at six points. And you have one, two, three, four teams, five teams at four points. And it's it's tight, but it's only early. This is it's still early. So make sure you tune in next Thursday. Uh, for the New Japan Podcast Series World Tag League Super Junior Tag League Rebound, where we will look back on this night as well as the other nights on this uh, upcoming week, as it will be five cards stretched over six nights between both World Tag League and the Super Junior Tag League, including uh, in a couple of nights' time on the 27th. On the 27th, it will be combining all both tournaments in one night you will have five world tag league matches and you will have five super junior tag league matches all taking place on one night that should be exciting all right here we are we are here in this time to get into what we came to do on this segment and that's talk about pay-per-views And, of course, we had last Saturday night, we had an epic event known as AEW Full Gear 2022. And it was a banger of a night for for AEW and his annual November pay-per-view from the Prudential Center in Newark, New Jersey, which was main evented by the AEW World Championship MJF challenging John Moxley, but we had a lot of action, a lot of matches to cover. So let's not waste any more time. Let's start and talking about what happened during the zero hour pre-show. So what I want to do for the zero hour is I'm going to list off the results of all three and then have Sif give his thoughts on all of them. And then I'll give my thoughts on all of them. And then we'll go into the main card. So we begin with we begin with uh, the best friends. Uh, along with Orange Cassie, Rocky Romero, and Dan Housen, as it was later revealed, going up against the factories, QT Marshall, Aaron Solo, Lee Johnson, Nick Comerall, and Cole Carter. Uh, Dan Housen came out with a very new look and demeanor. He would end up being the difference maker in this one, getting the victory for his team uh, in this one. It went 11 minutes and 55 seconds. Then Ricky Starks would get his victory over Brian Cage uh, to advance in the world championship eliminator tournament uh semifinals that match with 10 minutes flat and then eddie kingston in a hard-hitting emotional battle defeated june akiyama by pinfall with the spinning back fist those the um what is it called fuck me 
the uh, Oricon. He hit him with yeah. he hit him with two Oricons to get the pinfall. It went ten minutes and thirty seconds for that to end, and it led to a very emotional Eddie Kingston showing respect to Akiyama, who he said was the reason he got he wanted to get into the uh, that style of Japanese wrestling, the Yave uh, strong style. Mm-hmm. So, Sith, our three zero-hour pre-shows. What were some of your thoughts on this? All right, first up, best friends, Rocky Romero. Orange Cassidy, Danhausen versus Factory. For a who was mainly a handicap match until the end when Danhausen showed up. Wasn't a bad match at all. This match told a really good story. 11.55 match time was good as well. Good shot. Starks Cage. Great selling by Starks, who was selling an injury from the night before on Rampage. Uh, Starks and Cage told a great story here. Starks won the match, but Cage wasn't hurt the loss in my view. 10 minutes flat, went by quick. Then you talk about an awesome, great way to wrap up a free show. Akinama versus Kingston was absolutely lit here. Both guys had a hell of a match. A lot of respect was shown during the match as well as in the post-match. 10.30, all in all, zero hour this time around. Clicked on all cylinders. Champ. Absolutely, I agree with everything that you said. Best friends, uh, the 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 ten man tag, you know, it was a nine man tag because the the faces side of the bracket, the side of the ring was handicapped until Danhausen showed up with his new demeanor, and he was absolutely very very evil. He wasn't very nice. He was very very evil. There was teeth. There were all kind of stuff. But yeah, yeah, it turned out to be a great a great way to bring him back with a new. Sort of with bringing that persona out, and it led to a great moment for uh, the babyface squad. Uh, Starks and Cage was really good because Stark was on this. Um, Starks was on the back foot for most of the match because of the beatdown he suffered at the hands of Lance Archer the night before, and so it really led to a really good push from Starks and showed him to push through it, and he was able to get get it together and win to advance to the finals we'll find out later on in the in the uh weekend review what how he would do in the finals and then of course again eddie kingston idolized june akiyama and this was like a dream match for him and he went out there and absolutely killed it uh even though it only went 10 and a half minutes that was an exhilarating 10 and a half minutes and the emotion Mm -hmm. that came out of eddie kingston we all know that eddie kingston wears his emotions on his sleeve and it all came out knowing that he got to wrestle someone that got him into that style of wrestling and fighting and to be able to go toe-to-toe with him and then beat him was a lot, which was great. And then him him cutting, cutting that quick promo afterwards was pretty funny as well. All right. Let's get into our main card here. And we kicked off the show hot with the steel cage match between Jungle Boy Jack Perry and Luchasaurus. Of course, like it started off early. Jungle Boy bled buckets, and it started off early. He was bleeding pretty much the entire match. Uh, Luchasaurus looked like he was just going to dominate him from start to finish. Uh, Jungle Boy did get some offense in and come from underneath. Uh, but the big spot, which was the biggest spot of the night, was the close of this, ma- of this, yes. of this match where he managed to get... 
Luchasaurus onto a table and then climb. And I called this on the live stream. I knew where he, where this was going. I knew he wasn't just going to come off the top rope. I knew he was going to come off the top of the cage. He goes to the top of the cage and drops a vicious uh, diving elbow onto Luchasaurus. He would then transition that into the snare trap. Luchasaurus would tap out. And Jungle Boy Jack Perry stands victorious over his former best friend in, ma in, a, in a match that went 18 minutes and 40 seconds. Sith, what did you think about the opening to this match? This was a fun way to open up the main card as you had mentor versus student here and deep down, even with Christian Cage trying to con his way into getting into the match to get Luchasaurus to win, Jungle Boy Jack Perry came out on top strongly. 1840 your match time and fuck, what a match. Yeah, I, I, I like the, the part of the match where Christian somehow found a way to get the key from the referee to open the door, but it still backfired. It, it didn't really work out because he ended up getting kicked out from ringside, and it led to toward going towards that ending sequence with the elbow through the table and the snare trap and the tap out victory for Jungle Boy Jack Perry. A great matchup to start off, but then we will go from that to... The six-man tag team, uh, the, the AEW Trios champion, World Trios Championship matchup. Death Triangle, Pac, Pentel, Zero Miedo, and Ray Phoenix defending against the returning elite Kenny Omega and the Young Bucks who came out to Kansas's Wayward Son uh, uh, track, which is funny because Sif said it on the live stream before they answered, like, they should really come out to that song. And I said, hey, Sif, they are coming out to that song. And I started singing it, and we're, all, we're both like, oh, shit, we got to stop this copyright infringement. But it was, it, it was a nice little touch, great entrance, and then the match itself was really fire. Uh, you could tell that the, the, the Elite, they didn't have really ring rust, even though they had been sitting for about two months. Uh, they came out on all cylinders. Uh, really fast-paced action going back and go. forth. Uh, but towards the end, when it looked like Kenny Omega was about to nail the one-winged one angel on Ray Phoenix to get the victory, Ray Phoenix, who reluctantly was uh, accepted the ring bell hammer from Pac, used it yep. and hit Kenny Omega upside the head. It led to a victory roll and a one, two, three. Death Triangle retains the AEW World Trios Championships. After the match, Ray Phoenix was not happy that he used the hammer on Kenny Omega to score the victory, but in the end, they retained the championships. We would later find out because of those actions that yeah. this would be turned into a best of seven series where these teams are going to fight each other another at least four, at least three more times after this, at max seven more, like six more times. Whoever yeah. wins four out of the seven will be the champions. We know that we had match two happen on Dynamite. We'll tell you more about that later. But Sith, what did you think about this match, the second match on the main card between these two? We didn't know until the next day that this was the start of a best of seven series. And all I've got to say here is that these teams blew the lid off the way they did Saturday night in this fucking match. This is going to be a wild and crazy electric series because the first match was exactly that. 1840 or match time, what an adrenaline rush. Absolutely. Absolutely. Really a high adrenaline rush. Um, we It was almost, I, I honestly thought 
and I'm I picked uh, the elite to win this. But when when they won, when the Death Triangle won, I was like, wait, that that actually happened. Um, but here's what it is, and we move on to our TBS Championship match, which saw Jay Cargill dress as Chitara from the Thundercats uh, Thundercats yeah. cartoon from the early '80s. Uh, go up against the native beast Nyla Rose, and this was, albeit a short one at eight minutes, but it was highly physical, mm-hmm. and it went and it went a really good way for Jay Cargill. Uh, there was one point in the match Nyla Rose did hit not did hit Jay Cargill's own jaded on her, but she yes. kicked out. But it was be Jay Cargill hitting jaded herself on the on the much larger Nyla Rose to get the victory and to get back her championship that Nyla Rose had been holding uh, for the last several for the last couple of weeks. Uh, Jay mm-hmm. Cargill now forty two and zero in her wrestling career. Thoughts on the AEW TBS championship? Loved the tribute to the late, great Eddie Guerrero and the entrance for Nyla Rose here big time. That was a feel-good emotional moment. Feel-good emotional moment. This match had some bumps in the road here a bit, but all in all, it's an eight-minute match that doesn't overstay its welcome. So it's all good at the end of the day. Good shit. Absolutely. Especially, it's funny though because given what will happen on on Dynamite, uh, you would never yeah. know, you know, the that how big this win was and stuff like that, and then the, what would result from it later on. So we move on, and we would have our fatal four way. By the way, uh, this match was the shortest match on the entire mm-hmm. card, including the zero hour pre show at eight minutes. We will tell you what the longest match of the night was coming up. Uh, but next, we would have our AEW, uh, our ROH World Championship fatal four way match. Chris Jericho defending against Brian Danielson, Claudio Castagnoli. And Sammy Guevara. Early on, it looked like the JS was going to work against the Blackpool Combat Club. But there was then there were points where BCC were fighting each other and really going yeah. after it. Then there was a point where the J where Sammy went after Chris Jericho and things like that. But in the at the end of the day, uh, after Sammy was able to hit like after Sammy was take lock taken out of the sharpshooter, uh, Claudio Castagnoli would be nailed with the Judas effect and he would be pinned one two three. Chris Jericho remains. The 37th ROH World Champion retaining over these three individuals. Your thoughts on this match, Seth? This was a really fun Ring of Honor World Championship match here. And that's something I wanted to see here. Both teams going at each other. As you had Jericho and Guevara going at it, as well as Danielson and Castagnoli. All in all, a 21-minute, 30-second match. They needed to see more story wrinkles. And it appears we might down the road. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I am actually like I really enjoyed this. I really enjoyed the interaction between uh, Sammy and Chris. Yeah. It was really interesting and and things like that. They went after each other. We knew that uh, BCC were going to go after each other because they just compete. They're competitive. But this was right. really really good to to see. I really enjoyed it. And um, you know, we kind of figured that Jericho's going to keep it. Uh, there's really a plan for them, for Jericho to really hold on to it for quite a while. So there you go. Now we get to what was a highly anticipated matchup because it would be Soraya's first 
match in five years going up against Dr. Britt Baker, DMD. The first thing that you, that note, the first thing that pops out was that as soon as Soraya made her entrance and came out of the back, never like her, the emotions just overtook her because she never okay. in a million years thought she was going to be back in a wrestling ring after the neck injury. So you could tell the emotions just overtook her, but she kept, was able to hold it together. Her brother was at ringside and she went in there and a lot of people were kind of like put off by the fact when she took her first bump, she kind of feigned like her neck was messed up, but then she popped up like, just kidding. Ha ha. Um, kind of, a lot of people were kind of put off by that. I wasn't, I just thought, you know, a little bit of yeah. my gaze towards the, the good doctor. You know, it is what it is. Um, but it was really back and forth uh, when she started taking bumps and she looked like she was doing well. I was like, okay, she's definitely 100% ready to go. Uh, she was able to uh, put on what was formerly known as the PTO, the page tap out. I don't know if it's called that now because she's not Paige. Um, and then she hit her with two of those DDTs, which was formerly known as the Rampage DDT. I'm pretty sure it's a new name for that as well. But the second Rampage DD, the third Rampage DDT would be the downfall for the good doctor. And in tw after 12 minutes and 30 seconds, Soraya would get pick up her first victory in AEW in what was a highly emotional match for the young lady from the United Kingdom. Sip, what did you think about this? Yeah. Now, <laughs> welcome back to in-ring competition, Soraya. Um, this was a good man. She had some bumps here and there, but the story played out really well. And as Champ and I both said on the live stream Saturday night, the clean loss doesn't hurt Baker. She's a pillar in the women's division. Strong one at that. 12 minutes, 30 seconds is the match time here. And damn, really good match. Yeah, um, I, I'm... I was really happy to see Soraya get back into the ring. Not only did she get back in the ring, but she looked like she really didn't lose a step. Uh, and it was really good that her brother could be there present to see her not only get back in the ring for the first time in nearly five years, but also be victorious as well. All right, next we go to what was our our second shortest match of the night. It almost went 10 minutes. It was for the AEW TNT Championship, the three-way between Samoa Joe, Wardlow, and Powerhouse Hobbs. Um, this was just one of those big, beefy men slapping meat matches. They just was beating the crap out of each other. A lot of power moves. The rare show of agility from Wardlow stepping up to the top rope and doing a flipping senton onto both powerhouse hops and samoa joe what a what a what a match this was and what a shocking shocking yeah. uh, uh turn of events is after uh warlow had started the powerbomb symphony on powerhouse hobbs uh samoa joe came in with the championship belt nailed samoa nailed warlow upside the head with the with the championship belt then would lock in the coquina clutch onto onto powerhouse hobbs leading to powerhouse hobbs passing out and the ref stopping the matchup and samoa joe is your new TNT champion on top of still being the Ring of Honor World Television Champion. Sith, what did you think about this 9-minute and 55-second match? Okay, so we have a bit of a perplexing situation here. Why did Wardlow lose here as he was still very over with the fans? He wasn't losing any momentum fan-wise at all. So why have him lose and take the submission loss here? 
good match here. Hope's build more story arcs, but hopefully they're going to figure out what the hell to do to maintain Wardlow's momentum because it kind of just got derailed there for a bit. 9.55 is the match time, and as was stated, second shortest match of the night. Yeah, and, and Hector is like, like really like bigging himself up in our chat, saying that he told us he was going to be a double champion. We thought we called him crazy. Yeah, we did call you call you yeah. crazy, but we didn't think they was going to actually do it. So here we are. Samoa Joe is now double champion. Yep. All right, we move on to our next matchup: the no disqualification tag match between Sting and Darby Allen versus Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal. Jeff Jarrett's in-ring debut for AEW for the WWE Hall of Famer, who became the fourth WWE Hall of Famer to wrestle a match in AEW, uh, following Diamond Dallas Page. Billy Gunn and Sting as the other three to have wrestled at least one match at AEW as a WWE Hall of Famer. That is wild to me, by the way. Just want to put that out there. Uh, this was made a no DQ match day of. It was originally just a regular tag match, but day of it was made a, a no DQ match. And they went after each other. Uh, Sting, of course, doing wild, crazy bumps in his 60s, wild, crazy spots in his 60s. So it's just it's just crazy to me how he still does that. Uh, but uh, there was a spot where Darby Allen went for a coffin drop from the top of the ladder at the top of the rampway and got caught by Satnam Singh. Uh, this was just an incredible, incredible matchup that saw Sting and Darby Allen defeat Jeff Jarrett and Jay Lethal to get the victory. The match went 11 minutes. Sith, what did you think about this wild in- encounter? This match was fine. But was it really worth having Jeff Jarrett, who's 55, and Sting, who's 63, still taking six sick bumps, though? It just scares me me a bit to have them out there at this stage of their lives. I mean, I know they're doing it for the fans. I know they enjoy doing this. But at some point, you got to wonder, are these guys going to fucking get injured to the point where they could... You know, in a fucking wheelchair. The match was fine, though. 11 minutes even. Good run time there wasn't too bad. But I worry about Jared and Sting, though. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, you know, for them being at their ages. But at the same time, you got to also remember... Uh, most known to be like Jared and Sting. Both Jared, they've had long layoffs off the ring. They yeah. only wrestle sparingly, uh, which is most like uh, again that was the knock on Shane McMahon's that he goes out there and does wild crazy shit because he wrestles once maybe twice a year and then he gets to recover. Whereas other mm-hmm. wrestlers who are on the road constantly are on the road, so they don't get that recovery time. So that's the thing with Sting and like Jeff Jarrett, yeah. they can wrestle here, there, and everywhere and do those sick things, and then they have time to recover. So that's probably why they go out and do that kind of stuff because they're not out weekly on either dark dark elevation uh dynamite rampage wrestling they just wrestle the odd match on tv or the match on pay-per-view and then that's it so there you go all right next we would have our match for what would then be known as the interim aew women's world championship tony storm defending against jamie Hayter. as you know as we found out on wednesday that change is the interim is now gone as thunder rose's recovery is unknown a recovery timetable is still unknown at this point so they made the mutual decision for her to drop the championship and the winner of this match would be known as the linear women's world champion this was a 
very hard-hitting physical matchup between these two former former friends and roommates. It went 15 minutes even, and it did see some interference from Rebel and yeah. from the Good Doctor, which the ending saw the Good Doctor manage to get the turnbuckle pad taken off of the uh, off the taken off. Tony Storm would be knocked into it. It would lead to the ripcord uh, lariat, also known if you watch uh, New Japan as the Rainmaker. And we would have a new AEW new. Women's World Champion, Jamie Hayter. Hater's going to hate as Jamie Hayter is your new champion. Sith, what did you think about this one? Okay, this was a really good women's match. And honestly, having it come after the new DQ match hurt the match a little bit in the beginning stakes wise yes i do wonder why they took the interim title off of tony storm but i think it's to build a more more of a program for brit and jamie down the road and we started to see hints of that wednesday night just my gut feeling just please give jamie hater a lengthy run don't hot potato your fucking title here 15 minutes even is match time yeah, uh, I, I I think this. What's incredible about not just this match, what's incredible about this event is that they had three women's matches on this card, and two yes. of them were for championships. You had the TBS Championship on the line, you had the AEW Women's World Championship on the line, and you had a special singles match as well. So you had three champions. You had three women's matches on here with run, with a combined runtime. As I look at this really quickly of 35 minutes the women got 35 minutes of women's were a, a ring time yeah. on a pay-per-view that That's, is that is a step in the right direction for the is. women's division to get 35 minutes of ring time on a pay-per-view with two with that that's that's amazing that is amazing mm -hmm. i'm big 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 props to them for doing that yep. all right our semi-final, our semi-main event saw the World Tag Team Championships on the line. The acclaimed defending against Swerve and our glory, Swerve Strickland and Keith Lee. You could tell there was some tension between Swerve and Keith as the match went on, but they were able to keep up with the, the Tag Team Champions. Really good back and forth uh, between these two. But the key critical point of this matchup was when Swerve went to get the pliers and wanted Keith Lee to use the pliers on one of the tag team champions. Keith Lee refused. And not only did he refuse, he walked out of the ring, stepped yep. onto the entrance ramp, and watched as his tag team partner sank down and would fall to defeat via the mic check by the acclaim. And the acclaim would retain the AEW World Tag Team Championships. What do you think about this one? Really awesome penultimate main event here. I knew that Swerve was going to be doing his sadistic routine and that it would turn away Keith Lee. This match was just awesome. The acclaimed are extremely over and will continue to be. And I can't wait to watch Keith Lee versus Swerve Strickland program-wise. That's going to be wild. 1940-year match time here. Good shit. Absolutely. Uh, really good shit. Uh, even though this past Wednesday, it looks like Swerve is going to try, is still trying to keep the tag team together. We'll see where it comes with that. Yeah. But it looks like this tag team could be all 
done and dusted at this point, and the Acclaim now going to be looking for uh, new challengers for those championships. But what a great way to end this. What a great way to lead into our main event, a 19-minute and 40-second tag team contest that saw the champs retain to a big pop from the crowd. And then we would get to our main event. It would be for the AEW World Championship. John Mossley in his third reign. Mox, his third reign as champion, going up against MJF, who is cashing in his casino ladder match chip to uh, to get this championship matchup. Of course, it was uh, a lot of, of head games from MJF, uh, a lot of uh, fight from Moxley. Very physical, very demanding matchup. Uh, back and forth, really, really hard hitting. But in the end, it came down to where Mox looked like he had the match won. Regal came down, said, "Hey, get the ref up so you can win. Get the ref up so you can win." Only for Regal to take the famous brass knucks that he had in his career, slide them to MJF. MJF would nail Mox with those brass knucks, hide him in his trunk, get the cover. A one, two, three, and we have a new world champion and his name is mjf that's right mjf is your new aew world champion thanks to william regal and that is how the show would end 23 minutes and 15 seconds was the main event sith your thoughts what a fucking main event here this was a wild way to end out the pay-per-view here and i fucking knew that it's over as mjf was going to be with the crowd at the prudential center arena that he was going to be a heel doing heel shit regal turning heel made a lot of sense as well Twenty-three fifteen, and this is a possible top 10 candidate for match of the year yeah, I, I definitely feel like that is a top 10 match of the year candidate. And this late in the year, like, there, there's a lot of matches that could be up there. And, of course, before we go on, like, when we come back from our break uh, in January, we will give you our top 10 of 2022, as we always do here on the No Spots podcast. Uh, but this is definitely a contender to be one of those matches. And I think everybody kind of – I think a lot of people who paid attention to all the nuances of this rivalry and this storyline kind of yeah. saw the William regal uh swerve happening while there are, uh, but it still is a, sh- a shock when it actually happens yeah. that's how good it was because you knew it was coming but yet you still were shocked it happened mm-hmm. so there you go um new champion all right sith it's now time to talk about final grades this is again a three it was a, again a long pay-per-view of about f- close to four hours we had, of course, the zero-hour pre-show, which had three very good matches, but the main car really delivered yeah, uh, with its with their, with their ten matches, and it was an absolutely joy, absolute joy to watch. What did your great? Does your great reflect that, or what does your great reflect? It reflects a lot of things, really. This was typically overbooked for AEW pay-per-view wise. We don't get a lot of space to breathe in between matches. That being said, though, a few bumps in the road aside in some of the matches, this hands down, the best AEW pay-per-view, I believe, of the year, when you leave aside Forbidden Door, which, given their partnership with New Japan, that was their best pay-per-view of the year. But leaving that one aside, this is the best individual AEW pay-per-view. Giving this an A, and if you can seek out MJF versus Mox, Death Triangle versus The Elite, 
in the Fatal 4-Way for the Ring of Honor Championship? You damn well should. Uh, I, I'm going to say also an A. Uh, the TBS Championship, while it was fairly good, it didn't do anything to bring that up past an A. Everything else was was solid and really did its job of being a, uh, having a, a worthy part of being a part of this pay-per-view. And so that is why I feel like this was an A pay-per-view. They really delivered on this one, including the main event. The main event is what really, really, what really, really set this pay-per-view to be one of the top pay-per-views in AEW's history. Uh, because of the main event, the result, everything like that, this is definitely a really strong, a really, really strong pay-per-view. And they're, you know, they got a lot of, they got a lot to, to, to cover between now and Revolution, which was announced for March uh, coming up. So they got a lot of uh, ground yeah. to cover and a lot to do between now and then. They're going to have Winter is Coming, which is their special, which we already know who's going to be MJS first challenger. We'll talk about that in a week of review. But yeah. that's where we are. And Hector is giving this a B-plus because the TBS championship did not belong on this pay-per-view. So once that's again, Hector is – yeah, but again, that's Hector showing his personal bias against Jake. Cargill. Every championship except for the All-Atlantic and the FTW championship were on the line. That match deserved to be on this pay-per-view. Stop being biased against Jay Cargill, and that's it. Period. But Point blank. Period. So does Anna J. You have no problem with that. No, we've all, he's already explained that, it's, that um, Anna J. is more comedic. That's why he likes it. Oh. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's, that that which I I don't know it makes it makes zero sense to me but what do I know? Dang. All right, now we shift gears from AEW last week to now this weekend. Summer Survivor Series War Games Games. is taking place this weekend from the TD Garden in Boston, Massachusetts. Yeah. Uh, some background on this event: this is the thirty sixth annual Survivor Series, making this the second longest-running pay-per-view in WWE, right behind, of course, WrestleMania. Uh, this is one of the big four, original big four, now known as the big five when you include Money in the Bank. Previously, it was King of the Ring. Um, this is going to be the fourth time in the history of this event that this the history of it, it will be taking place in Boston after being there in 1993 at the original Boston Garden and then in 2008 and the last time it was there it was 2013. Yes. So it's been nine years since Boston has hosted a Survivor Series and also this is a big one right here. This is so big, we need to play. We need to play the soundtrack. So here we go. This weekend summer survivor series event will be on this will be only the second time since the 1994 survivor series that this event is not taking place on a Sunday. Yes. This is also going to be the first time ever that survivor series will be taking place on a Saturday because prior this event used to take place the day before Thanksgiving. Yep. So Thanksgiving night. Or on Thanksgiving. But this will be the first time in the 35 previous 
editions of this pay-per-view that it will be taking place on a Saturday. And that is your first stat of the day. Oh, All right. Pre-jump. Uh-huh. Smackdown tonight is in Providence, which is only about an hour or so outside of Boston. Bacon stay at a hotel in Providence tonight and just take a nice drive up to Boston tomorrow. That's a really interesting stat. I did not know they were that close to. They're that close. To- you have people that commute to Providence every day or to Boston every day. It's interesting. But yeah. Interesting. Interesting, interesting. All right. Well, let's talk about the matches. Of course, we're going to talk about uh, the. We're going to first, like, we're going to do something different with this one because the. Uh, we're going to talk about the one non title match. Then we're yeah. going to talk about the two title matches. And then we're going to talk about the two hell war, war game matches. So that's what we're going to yeah. do here to talk about this five match card. Again, this is subject to change. Something can happen on tonight's SmackDown to lead to uh, a sixth match being added. We don't know. But first, we're going to talk about the singles match that's going to be happening on the card as AJ Styles representing the OC. Uh, he will most likely have the OC at ringside with him. Uh, going up against Finn Balor of the Judgment Day, you can expect the Judgment Day to be at ringside with him. Actually, before I talk about this, Sith, you said, talk about that video you sent me in the group chat this morning because I saw it and, yeah, give us your thoughts on that shit there before we get into this match. It's not the worst thing WWE has come with that that can be saved for a certain promo after, after Eddie Guerrero's passing, but that was some bizarre world shit to have. Rhea Ripley, after what she and Buddy did for Thanksgiving, get in the car, get together with Dom, and then attack Ray on Thanksgiving night. Jeez. It's just crazy. This is all I'm going to say about this. Stone Cold Steve Austin in 1996 did it better. Point blank, period. We move on. (laughs) Now, AJ Styles versus Finn Balor. What you thinking about this one? Uh, yeah, so two former stablemates collide here in the ring, and it's going to be a fun ride. The big question is who comes out on top? I'm going with Finn Balor. Right now, you're trying to bring up the Judgment Day as big as possible. I know it sounds insane, but there you go. Going with Finn here. Um, I think I'm going to go the same route. I think I'm also going to go with Finn Balor. They have like, re- like when Vince was in charge, they weren't really pushing Finn Balor. But nope. Triple H knows the talent that Finn Balor is. AJ Styles already well established himself pretty much as a Hall of Famer. He doesn't really need the victory, and it could possibly help to continue to push this storyline of the OC versus the Judgment Day. It's one of the more compelling storylines that's on raw right now and i think they would benefit from it continuing on for at least another month uh, before culminating it possibly at royal rumble or possibly on a raw in december prior to the start of the new year because of course for those that don't know this will be the final pay-per-view for wwe in 2022 there will be no more pay-per-views until the royal rumble uh in, in on no on january yeah. the 28 2023 
So I'm also going with Finn Balor on this one to uh, get the victory and continue his momentum uh, uh, with the Judgment Day. All right. Next, let's talk about championship matches here. We're going to start with the triple threat for the United States Championship. Seth freaking Rollins is currently the champion, but he's been dealing with both Bobby Lashley and Austin Theory coming for his championship. So he wants he's putting it up against both of them. Lashley is showing a new, more aggressive streak. Same, uh, same can be said for Austin Theory after he failed to cash in his money in the bank on Rollins on Raw a couple of weeks ago. So, this is a very unique one because for those who are not familiar with wrestling and triple threat rules, Seth Rollins does not have to be pinned yeah. in this match to lose his championship. Either, either Lashley can pin Theory or Theory can pin Lashley, and they and one of those men can become U.S. champion without Rollins even being involved in the decision. There's no disqualifications. There's no countouts. Thoughts on this one, Seth? Show of hands of who doesn't like this version of Austin Theory that's being rebuilt. Anyone? Anyone? Yeah, that's what I thought. It's a good rebuild here. Seth Rollins, as was mentioned, champions a disadvantage here, but you've got to wonder, will Trips pull the trigger and have Austin Theory become a two-time United States champion again? I wouldn't complain about it, but I'm going with Seth Rollins to retain here. Agreed. I, I I also feel like Seth Rollins will retain here. I think he's like he's still being that cocky cocky guy, but he is yeah. also you know, but he's still a babyface as well. And I think that this this could really catapult him into another really good program with a, another different heel. And I think that I I feel like they Lashley. And, and Theory can still go a different direction with their aggressiveness with, against another face or somebody else and still be good. I, I still am, I'm, I don't know what side of the alignment uh, Lashley falls on when it comes to being face or heel. He still, you know, reacts to the crowd and, you know, goes with the crowd, but then he's very aggressive. So it's kind of hard to say where he's going. But in the, at the end of the day, I feel like it's going to. I feel like it's going to be uh, Seth Fick, freaking Rollins that's going to remain the champion. Uh, the other championship match that we have on the card here is a match that I think the result is is never in doubt, but we're still going to talk about it. And that's for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Uh, Ronda Rousey defending the championship against Shotzi. Your thoughts, Seth? This match is a dead giveaway here, and it's not even fucking funny anymore. I have no interest in this match because the outcome is so fucking predictable. Ronda retains here. Really? WWE? This is the best you can do to build up your SmackDown Women's Champion? Jesus. Yeah, uh... I don't know. I think because they don't have a lot of really I mean, only other person that would be possibly credible would be Raquel Rodriguez, but yeah. they haven't they they kind of kind of fell off from really building her up to be a monster like she was before. So I I don't know what they're doing with, with that with that division, honestly. And the match is just not gonna be a very fun one to watch. Uh I I'm hoping I wanna have some hopes for it. But I don't know. I just don't know. But we all know that, that Ronda's going to win. It's, it's fairly obvious. I would be highly shocked if Ronda somehow loses and Shotzi becomes the SmackDown Women's Champion. 
honestly. It, that happens. You're going to see a lot of pissed off people tomorrow night. Hector's actually going with Shotzi. You're you're nuts. I don't know why you're going to die on that hill. Let him die on the hill. He's died on several hills before and succeeded. He may succeed here. So, yeah. Right. All right. We have now talking about the War Games matches. We're going to first talk about the women's War Games match, where it's going to be Bianca Belair, Alexa Bliss, Asuka, and Mia Yim, and a to-be-determined fifth competitor going up against Damage Controls, Bailey, Dakota Kai, and Io Sky, along with Nikki Cross, and, and the Judgment Day's Rhea Ripley Sith. Who's the fifth member and who wins? Becky Lynch is your fifth member. War Games has hit the main roster. And this match has some War Games fights in it, too. It's going to be a wild-ass match. Bad note for Bailey's team. Dakota Kai has been known for turning on her teammates in this type of match. We've seen it before. I'm going with Team Belair here, as I think that the baby faces will win here, despite not having the War Games advantage. I I'm I'm definitely I'm leaning towards yes, it being Becky Lynch one and two. I'm leaning towards the babyface team winning. I don't see them losing if Becky Lynch returns. There's no way you have Becky Lynch return None. in this match and lose. That makes zero sense, and that is poor booking, in my opinion. If you have Becky Lynch, who's been gone for the last several months, after making that face turn at, at SummerSlam back in July, and yeah, I, you just you just can't do that. There's just no way, no freaking way that that mm. happens. You, you can't do that. So the baby faces win this one. And that that rivalry would continue. There was some uh, there were some people out there that predicted that Damage Control wins and someone pins Bianca Belair in order to set up her having another rival for the Raw Women's Championship. I'm sure there are other ways to set that rivalry up, right. uh, set her up for a new challenger. But I still think that I'm going to go with the Babyface team. All right, and then, of course, in our what is going to be anticipated as our main event, it is going to be the Brawling Brutes alongside Drew McIntyre and Kevin Owens taking on the bloodline in what has been a blood feud on SmackDown between the, uh, the Brawling Brutes and the bloodline. You now add in Drew McIntyre, and you bring in Kevin Owens from, from Raw to round out that team to go up against the head of the table, the undisputed, universe, the undisputed WWE Universal Champion, as well as the undisputed WWE Tag Champions, the Usos, along with Solo Sokoa and Sami Zayn, who you can expect will have a big, big pop for this one. What do you think about the, this match and where it's going? Well, here's where people are going to be shocked. This is the men's board games match. This has a lot of stories intertwining into one. You have to wonder, though, will KO start to turn Sammy Babyface here or at least build slowly towards it? It's going to be an intriguing match. But I'm going with the Brutes. McIntyre and KO here for the W. 
What? What? This is a coin flip match. Go look at the betting odds. This is a coin flip match. The Bloodline are not heavy favorites. You would think they're heavy favorites, but they aren't. Um, I think Sammy costs the Bloodline the match and ends up being excommunicated from the Bloodline as well. Yeah, I'm not stupid. I'm not betting against the bloodline at all. I'm playing it safe. Just like I played it safe with a lot of my picks and on the uh, New Japan podcast, I'm playing it safe with this one. I'm going with the bloodline. I don't think they're ready to excommunicate Sammy just yet. It's doing too well for them to, oh, to excommunicate him now. I think it'll happen later on down the line, maybe before WrestleMania, but... Not now. I think the bloodline will be victorious in this one. And yeah, I, I'm going with them. All right. What do you got with what do you got for the uh preliminary grade? Well, this grade has actually dropped a bit since I wrote the script out. It has. But here's the thing, y'all. You've got the war games matches. It's a case of you son of a bitch, I'm in. Same thing with AJ Styles versus Finn Balor as well as the Triple Threat for the United States Championship. However, there's a red herring here. We're going to have to suffer through Ronda Rousey versus Shotzi, though. That should be on SmackDown. That being said, even if we don't get a sixth match on this card, it's a case of a B card that's boosted up greatly by two War Games matches. A match between two former members of the Bullet Club and a kick-ass triple threat match. B is my preliminary grade, but with a lot of potential to move up. Yeah, I'm also going to stick with a B as well. That mm-hmm. SmackDown Women's Championship match just does not <laughs> appear to be strong enough to do anything with it. I just don't. I'm just not feeling it at all. We already know that it's just not going to. The match may not. It's just. It's just not interesting for me it's not everything else on this card has a story behind it and it's interesting uh seth freaking rollins having beef with both bobby lashley and austin theory of course aj Mm -hmm. styles and the oc and then the judgment day that's been a long going thing uh of course the war games matches have a thing going on that match just stands out as just why is it here so I am also going with a B for this one. Uh, and Hector is calling this matchup the Rebellion versus the Bloodline. Do you like that or no? I like it. Easy. Okay. I like that. For once I'm on I think board it's okay. with Hector with that one. I think it's okay. I think it's okay. Yeah. I'm not going to yell at him for it. And predictions are up on our Facebook page. And by the way, because this is a big pay-per-view, it is a new edition of Win Sits Money for the second weekend in a row. No one took advantage of it last weekend. Take advantage of it now, because especially because it's close to the end of the month. That way you get all of December free sub to our channel. Mm-hmm. If you go into the, our predictions post on our Facebook page, facebook.com slash nospotspod, and put in your picks. If you do better than Sith and myself, you will be awarded a free subscription. You have to be present at our live stream on Saturday night in order to redeem to claim your prize. So that is going on there. The predictions post is up now on our Facebook page. Mm-hmm. So make sure you go on there not tonight and do it. That way you don't forget yeah. because your your comment, your picks need to be up before we go live tomorrow. 
So just know that. Yeah. And Hector's saying he's going with a, the running joke of C because I'm average. So why can't WWE? A. Um, and next year, I'm abbreviating the win the money thing. And what I'm doing next year is for the major pay-per-views, midstream of a pay-per-view. If it's a major one, I will just gift a subscription at random. There you go. I'm going to be Santa Seth. There you go. So next year, during major pay-per-views only, ladies and gentlemen, that would be, and I'll give them, read them off for you, Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, SummerSlam, Survivor Series, Revolution, Double or Nothing, All Out, and Full Gear. As well as, as, well as Rebellion, Bound for Glory, and Bound for Glory. Bound for Glory. So there you go. You have 12 opportunities to be present at a live stream reactions and get gifted a sub at random. So make sure y'all take advantage of that in 2023 because having a free subscription to a channel allows you to watch it ad free. You get to uh, all that good stuff. So take advantage. All right, now that we are done previewing and reviewing pay-per-views, it's now time to shift gears into the week in wrestling. Of course, this week in wrestling is slightly abbreviated. We will not be including Impact Wrestling because it was an introspective show. No actual wrestling took place, as well as we will be including Rampage because it aired at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. We both have already watched it, so we will talk about it on here. But, of course, we will not be talking about SmackDown because it has yet to air uh but we will give a brief recap of smackdown tomorrow prior to the start of the pay-per-view so without any further ado i i send i yield the floor over to the dark sith lord to kick our kick us off with monday night raw and also as always uh now that we are doing uh, as i started to do last week for raw NXT, Dynamite, and Rampage, we will have grades provided to us by Bleacher Report. And I would let y'all know how I feel about those grades. Okay, so, abbreviated week in review on Raw. It was the go-home for Survivor Series. AW programming, Dark Elevation, Dark Dynamite, Rampage, dealt with the aftermath of Full Gear, which was last weekend. And NXT had to deal with more builds towards their final event of the year and deadline. And as said, we're not doing impact this week because the afternoon for the overdrive will be next week. So what do we think of the week that was? Let's find out rapid fire style and push and bury this week. And we opened up raw this week with an opening promo segment that really opened the door for a match after that between the brawling brutes and the judgment day champ. Your opening promo segment plus the Brutes versus Judgment Day to push your berry. Uh, give this a regular push. Dom tried to run away from Sheamus and did a bad job of it. Then still got stopped by the OC. He got bro kicked. He lost. The brawling Brutes stood tall over everybody. You know, I give it a big push. This was a really good way to open up the show. As you had to kick the Raw Go Home show off with a bang. Good promo segment, and the match was good. So what? The Dom was pinned. He's going to bounce back quick with, quick with all the heat he's gotten of late. If you haven't seen that video from WWE from yesterday, yeah, Dom's working on getting that heat. Big push. Then Seth Rollins had an interview, and 
This is funny. He's in the babyface role for a triple threat match, but he's still taking a piss over Cody Rhodes' injury. Champ, the Seth Rollins interview. Push or bury? Regular push. I mean, Seth Rollins is still being a dick, even though he's technically a babyface. He's still a dick. It's funny. I was laughing talking about this with Whitney on Tuesday. I give it a regular push. I gotta love that Rollins is in the babyface role here, and he's still taking a piss. He makes a hell of a tweener booking-wise. Then we had a really, really cool match. We had Austin Theory versus Mustafa Ali. And then we had a really good character development here in the Puss match. Champ, Theory versus Ali in the Puss match. Push Barry. Um, I'm giving this one a big push. Very, very good, very good matchup. I mean, this show, this was a showcase of two young talents who are on their way up in WWE. We're starting to, to finally see Mustafa Ali more on TV. Yeah, he was selling a rib injury that he had suffered uh, a week ago uh, that he had really injured during his matchup uh, on SmackDown. He was selling that. Uh, we're seeing more aggression from Theory. All good stuff. Big push. I give it a big push. The match was fine as he couldn't have... Ali selling an injury and staying in there long. And the segment, promo segment between Lashley and Theory, really strong for character development for Theory. Good shit. Then we had Drew McIntyre taking on Baron Corbin, which got us out of the second hour and into the third hour. Champ, push your berry. Uh, regular push. Uh, we've seen this match before. Uh, it wasn't anything different or mind-blowing, but it was still good. It was still okay, but not bad. So I give it a regular push. Uh, I give it a regular push. Good match here. Good, Got a chunk of the show added as a showcase. And both competitors look good. And then in our main event, the advantage for the women's war games match was decided as we had Rhea Ripley taking on Asuka. And then we had a post-match scrum, big-time champ. The main event in post-match, Pusher Barry. Uh, this gets almost a big push. It's teetering on big push, but it's slight, It's a slightly high regular push. Very, very strong main event. Of course, you know, the heels are going to get the advantage, which almost telegraphs that the baby faces win because that's typically how it happens. Mm -hmm. But it was really a really good uh really good matchup and I enjoyed it. So let's get it. I'm pushing it over to Big Push. This helped decide the advantage. And also this is a good way to end what's becoming run of the mill for Raw. Where some man segments there, eh, a lot of it's good shit. And for the grades for this night, courtesy of Bleacher Report, uh, the Brawling Brutes matchup with the Judgment Day got a B. Okay, we're good. Almost was named as the opponent for Johnny Gargano over The Miz because The Miz had an injury to his hand. And that, mat that match got a C. I would have given it a C-. minus. Mustafa Ali versus Theory got a B. I would have given it a B+. Plus. Alpha Academy teaming up to go up against Elias and Matt Riddle got to be. Good grade there. Baron Corbin versus Drew McIntyre got a B minus. I'd give it a regular B. And the main event, Asuka versus Rhea Ripley to determine who gets the advantage in war games, got the highest grade of the night, a B plus. Yeah, that sounds about right. 
Yeah, so fair, fair go home show. Uh, yeah. Not not terribly strong, but not terribly terrible. But it was just there. Yeah. All right, it's time to make the switch. You know what time it is. Yeah, before we get into the recaps of AW Dark Elevation, AW Dark Proper, hey champ, it's time for the weekly time checks for this week for both shows. All right, Dan. AEW Dark Elevation had nine matches in a runtime, 47 minutes and 49 seconds. AEW Dark Proper Tuesday night had seven matches in a runtime of 48 minutes, 58 seconds. Combine them, you get a runtime of one hour, 36 minutes and 47 seconds. And that is your AEW Dark Elevation and AEW Dark Time Checks this week. Hey, champ, fun note. Yes. They could have watched the first Friday movie in that time span and had a lot more fun. Well, there you go. Because that's a classic right there. Anyone who hasn't seen it, you should. Anyway, we opened up Dark... You know, Dark Elevation had a very intriguing women's tag match. You had... Leva Bates and Emmy Sakura taking on Hikaru Shida and Willow Nightingale. Champ Pushaberry. Uh, give this one a regular push. Very unique tag team on the one side with Sakura and Bates, but uh, Shida and Willow worked very well, and Shida was able to get the victory for her team. It was nice, so give it a push. I give it a push. Put on the push. Match was fine, but Willow should have taken the W here for her team. I mean. Sheeta getting the pen, and then she gets a squash match on Rampage. Come on. Let Willow get the pen here. Other than that, good shit. And then, ho, 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 the Ring of Honor Women's Champion, Mercedes Martinez, returned, and she took on JC, Champ Bushberry. It was great to see Mercedes Martinez back. Uh, the Brass City Sleeper was the end result for JC. Give it a mm-hmm. push. I'd give it a big a regular push as well. It's a good showcase for the returning Ring of Honor Women's Champion, and she just bounced back from injury. And then we had trios action, ladies and gentlemen. We had Private Party and Matt Hardy going against Encore, Sunny Kiss, and Ari Devario, the Trustbusters champ, Push Barry. Uh, I get this on a push. Um, it's really I'm I'm always happy to see Sunny Kiss in the ring. Uh, really well done and. Private, but yet Matt Hardy and Private Party will come out victorious. But yeah, good match. Push. Uh, good match. Give it a push. We get to see Sunny Kiss in action. And although her team lost this week, Kiss is one of the underutilized wrestlers in, on the AW roster. And that was actually set on commentary, folks. Then we had Alex Reynolds of the Dark Order, Order taking on Super Bad Kip Stabian, Jim Pushaberry. He's not really super bad anymore, but I love his new character. I give this a push. A very strong matchup between these two. And Alex Reynolds coming out with a victory. Didn't see that coming. Yeah. Didn't see it coming. Give it a push. push. Good rematch here. But given the caliber of both wrestlers, I wish I could have seen about two or three more minutes. I could watch these guys wrestle all fucking day. Then, in the main event, you had the best friends in Orange Cassidy taking on Aaron Solo, Cole Carter, and Lee Johnson of the Factory Champ, Push Barry. 
Yeah, it was. This was another one that gets a push. This is really a really good six man to close out the show. Orange Cassidy, AEW All Atlanta Champion, nailing the beach break and got the victory. Love it. Give it a push. Good main event here, but like a lot of matches on this card, give me a little bit more time. Now we go on to Dark Proper in Champ. You know, I was going to probably pick this one out. Tony Nese and Josh Woods taking on Dean Alexander. And Rosario Grillo, champ Pushberry. Push, very solid. I, I don't know why that tag team, Tony Nese and Josh Woods, are not in the world tag team title picture. They're really good. You put them on dynamite, I'm telling you, they're going to shine. You need to have the varsity athletes on TV. Give it a push. These guys need, they will have a banger of a match with FTR. Book it, Tony Khan. Then you had a really cool singles match. You had Marina Shafir taking on Willow Nightingale, Jam Pushaberry. This is how, like, they recently just signed Willow Nightingale. She's an official part mm-hmm. of the roster after being making appearances here and there. But now she's really a part of AEW. She's showing it. We've already known what she could do in the ring, and she showed it here against a very dangerous Marina Shafir getting a victory. Push. Yeah, um, give it a push. Surprise, here's Nightingale Pierce beginning a dark style push here for now. Let's get it. Then KM <laughs> had an appearance this week. He went up against Wheeler Yuta, champ, push Barry. Push. Uh, it's good to see Wheeler Yuta back in the uh, back in the ring and get back on his winning ways. Uh, he kind of been a little bit in the background with everything going on mm-hmm. with uh, the rest of the BCC, but it's good to get himself a chance to shine. Um, you definitely give it a good push here. KM had some good offense, but in no way was Luda Yuta dropping this match into the L column. L column. Ty Mello of the JAS took on Sky Blue champ Pusha Berry. Uh, I give this one a push. Uh, I I like I'm I'm liking the scrappiness of Sky Blue. She's a really scrappy individual, but Ty Mello, this new attitude she has has really resonated in terms of what she brings to the table. And this was a pretty solid match, so I give it a push. I give it a small push. What the fuck are we doing here with Sky Blue? She gets on these start stop start stop pushes here nonstop. Note to Con- Tony Khan. Make up your fucking mind. And then for the main event, we had Ari Davari, Sunny Kiss, and VSK of the Trustbusters taking on Evil Uno, John Silver, and Alex Reynolds of the Dark Order. Champ, push a berry. Uh, this gets a push as well. What a, a very, very solid main event six-man tag match. Once again, we get to see Sunny Kiss in action with the Trustbusters along with Ari Davari and, uh, and, uh, in this match. It was really good. Glad that the Dark Order was able to come out with the victory, so I give it a push. I give it a bit of a push as well. After a card that was extremely a bit underwhelming, good way to end the card here. Good shit. Then we get to NXT. Ooh. And we had an opening promo segment with Toxic Attraction doing a nice little promo segment. And the Katana Chains and Caden Carter stepped in as well. Champ, Pusher Barry. Uh, I'm leaving it where it is. This really didn't do nothing for me. Period. That's all I gotta say. It didn't really do nothing for me, so I'm leaving it where it is. If it wasn't for the strong work of Toxic Attraction on the mic, this would get buried. But leaving it where it is, it was just there. (laughs) 
And then Wendy Chu had a Matchkins core jade. And then <laughs> we had a very, very bizarre post match of a sign of maybe things to come. Champ, push your berry. Give this a give this a small push. The match was solid. I'm interested to see where they go with the character after the breakdown of Wendy Chu. Is she going to revert back to her old character, or is there going to be a new iteration of Wendy Chu? Don't know. Want to see? Uh, minuscule push. It, the match was clunky, but it did get better towards the end. Wendy crying in the ring. Please change this fucking character. I'm tired of the onesies. Then Bron Breaker. Wow. Cut a pretty good promo segment here, champ. Push a berry. Push. It's clear that he is getting a lot better on the microphone. Mm -hmm. He is getting a lot better in front of the camera with his character. Uh, and so it's good. So I give it a push. I give it a push. We're finally getting out of the shadow of his dad and uncle. And we're seeing what Braun can do character-wise in development. This is good shit. Then we had Andre Chase and Duke Hudson of Chase U taking on our NXT World Tag Team Champions. Pretty deadly champ, Pushaberry. Uh, this actually gets a big push from me. This is a really good tag match. Um, and, of course, you know, of course, if it would have been Bodie Hayward in there instead of Duke Hudson, who's actually a lot better wrestler than him, this yeah. probably would have got either a small push or left where it was. But this gets a big push. It's really good. You, They really had the tag team champions on their heels. Like, it almost looked like we was going to have new tag team champions, which I enjoy. Yeah, big push. This is one of the big high points of NXT this week. And it helped Chase you to have pretty deadly in the ring with them. So that way, more work can come out here with Hudson and Chase in a positive light. And then we had a main event for the NXT UK North American Championship match. We had Wesley taking on Carmelo Hayes. And then, wow, what a push match. Champ, push your berry. Here it comes. Here it comes, because this is my first mega push of the week. This was an incredible, incredible, incredible matchup here between these two. Melo, I thought was going to become champion again, but no, Wesley retains. But then Dominic Dijakovic is back. He ain't no fucking T-Bar. He's Dijak. Love it. Ah, give me that mega push because this gets the first mega push here in the basement. Excellent way to wrap up a par for the course NXT with a championship match. Hook ending. Yo, DJ, Dijak. He's going 80s metal with that look. I thought I was looking at Judas Priest for a minute. I'm just fucking around. Anyway, mega push. Then and now, on. hold on now for the grades for NXT this week. Oh, yeah. So the opening segment involving Toxic Attraction and Team KC, as Hector calls them, C plus. I would have given it a C minus. Core J versus Wendy Chu, B minus. Uh, C plus. Kiana James going up against Ivy Nile. Got a D. It would have gotten an F here. Oh my God, that was terrible. Scripps debut against Guru Raj. Gotta see. Yeah, okay. Zoe Stark versus Sol Ruka. C minus. D plus. The NXT Tag Team Championship match Pretty Deadly versus Chase U. B plus. Good grade there. 
the NXT North American Championship, Wes Lee versus Carmelo Hayes, including the return of Dominic Dijakovic, got the highest grade of the night, A+. Agreed. Yeah, I definitely agree. That was a hell of a matchup, and then having Dijak make his return, incredible. What a what what a what a night! What a night! That was a that just shows you how up and down NXT was then, and how up and down it's always been. Where you have a couple of high points and a lot of low points, but we move forward. Yes, we do, and we go on to AEW Dynamite. Yeah, and we opened up. With the aftermath of full gear in Chicago, where we had Moxley cutting off a promo, Danielson and Regal came up. Champ, opening promo, Pusha Berry. Uh this gets a this gets a regular push from me. I think Brian Danielson kind of made the segment because Mox is all about rage. Regal didn't really explain much, but Danielson yeah. was kind of like caught in the middle, so it kind of made it. So I give it a regular push. I give it a big push. This was a really good way to open up the show in Chicago this week. With the ending of Full Gear, the right call was to have a meeting of the minds here. Just really good work. <laughs> then we had Orange Cassidy taking on Jake Hager. And then a major comeback in the post-match. Champ, Orange Cassidy, Jake Hager in the post-match, Pusher Berry. Uh, this gets a big push. The match was solid, but the post-match is what really makes it. If the match had been superb, this would have got a mega push. But the match was just okay. But mm -hmm. having the House of Black return the way that they did and beat everybody up, big push. <sighs> You give it a big push. The match was decent, and it hit the chords it needed to hit. Having the House of Black come back the way they did, that was awesome. And then the Eliminator Tournament Finals, I got this one wrong, and I'm happy to admit it. We had Absolute Ricky Starks taking on Ethan Page, Champ Butch Berry. And I'm happy I got it right. I'm giving this one a regular push. It was okay. It was it was good. It wasn't world bleeding. It wasn't mind blowing, but it was good. Mm -hmm. And the right person won, in my opinion, given who's the new champion. Um, definitely give it a big push here. With good way, solid way to finish up the Eliminator tournament. Glad to be wrong with starts getting the W here with Page. Both guys I thought put on a good match though. And then whew, the second in the best of seven series. Between the Death Triangle and the Elite Champ, Pusher Berry. This almost gets a mega push. Yeah. Almost. It just missed the mark. It just gets a big push. This was really good. Really bloody good, but not quite mega push uh, worthy at this point. Nothing against them. It just didn't get there. Whitney's going to laugh when I say the Civil Champ. We were on the verge of greatness. We were this close. Big push. It was a step, slight step down from what was on Saturday night, but still an awesome match. Also, think, big shout out to the Chicago crowd with the uh, with the FCM Punk with the uh, F the Elite chance. <laughs> yeah. Because look, I'm gonna say something real quick. I don't mind what the Elite did. I don't mind what they're doing at all. Because if we can, because if you can make money 
off of this whole thing after Punk recovers, just get it done. They trolled the they trolled the shit out of Punk in this match. You yes. kidding me? They trolled the shit out of Punk and a Steel. Holy shit! They did. I was, but it's like what Sap said, and I agree with him. As long as this leads to a series of matches down the road when Punk recovers, I'm good with this. If not, it's a wasted effort. But then you get to an amazing main event. Jericho versus Tomohiro Ishii, champ, Pusher Barry. Up oh, here it comes again. Just like the World Trail Championship almost got to Mega Push, this main event gets my second Mega Push of the Week. Listen, I can't say nothing else about this except, and I said this to Sage on last night's podcast, if you chop my chest so hard it bleeds, I got to punch you. Dead ass. I got to punch you. Dead but ass. this was a physical match. It was very good storytelling. And, yeah, it was great. It was great. This also gets a mega push. Outstanding match. It's one that you're going to rewatch. And is probably going to be in your top ten, possibly. You just never know. Then All right, grades. Can- mm-hmm. Now, grades here. So the opening segment involving Regal, Danielson, and Moxley. C. I give it a B minus. The All Atlantic Championship match between Orange Cassidy and Jake Hager. They did something unique for this one. They gave a grade for the match, but then they gave a grade for the post match. The match, the match got a C plus. Yeah, that's about right. But the post match got an A plus. Yep, that's right. The uh, Full Gear World Title Eliminator Tournament Final that was supposed to take place at Full Gear but took place on Dynamite got a C plus. I give it a B minus. The second in the best of seven series between the Elite and Death Triangle got a B plus. Yep. Willow Nightingale and Sky Blue teaming up to take on Ty J and again and also against Britt Baker and Jamie Hayter got a C. That sounds about right. And then the main event, RH World title match, got the second highest grade of the night, an A. It should have gotten an A+. Plus. So that's incredible. That that's incredible that Bleacher Report ranked a, a post-match beatdown higher than an actual match. That's crazy to me, but it is what it is. It because the post-match beatdown was really, really good. But Ishii Jericho was just absolutely outstanding. Jeez. Anyway, we go on to Rampage, which came on this afternoon. And we started with one of our favorites, two of our favorite tag teams, folks. FTR versus Top Flight, Champ Pushaberry. Uh, give this a give this a big push. This is a very solid tag team match. Uh, apparently, Dante Martin suffered some type of injury during this match, but apparently he's okay. But this yeah. is still a really good matchup, and FTR won, and then briefly were bothered by the gun club. Yeah, I ain't give it a big push. A really good match to open up an afternoon rampage due to hockey. Injury looked bad. I'm glad Dante's going to be okay, though. Then we had a Jericho promo, and... Well, there's stakes with his next opponent, champ. Push Barry. Give this one a regular push. This was a really 
this is a solid uh this is a solid promo segment and you could tell claudio has the passion mm-hmm. and the drive to want to be the champion he's even putting up being joining the jericho appreciation society for that shot so there you go push up like, i'm giving this a push i ain't give it a regular push you know good shit here like I like that clause. If Claudio loses, he has to join the JAS. Then we had Anthony Henry of the Workhorseman taking on Derby Allen, Jim Pushaberry. Push, this was a solid matchup. These two are very familiar with each other, as Excalibur mm-hmm. mentioned on commentary. Uh, they fought each other many a times, but now this is the fourth victory for Derby over Anthony Henry in six uh, <laughs> wrestling matches uh, to combine. I give it a regular push. Good to have the workhorseman in on Rampage as you had Anthony Henry in the ring. And you had good old JT in the background. Good match. Then we get to who I think is an eyesore. We had Hikaru Shida, who I absolutely respect. She's awesome. Took on Queen Emanita. Champ Pleasureberry. Leaving it where it is. Um... Queen Aminata managed to get the jump on Sheeta because of the distraction from the bunny and Penelope Ford and still lost in under three minutes. Throw me the shovel. Barry, what the fuck's the purpose here? I get bunny and Penelope Ford's game, but this didn't do any favors for a fucking soul. Bury it. And then we get to the main event. Where you had the butcher, the blade, and Roosh taking on John Silver, Alex Reynolds, and Preston Ten Vance of Dark Order, and then the post match. Wow, Champ Pusherberry. This gets a big push. The match was solid. It was a handicap match for most of it. Ten finally comes out with the urging of Evil Uno and, and Negative One, only to turn on the Dark Order, join La Faction and Gobernable, uh, and them winning, and then they beat everybody up. They ripped up, ripped up Evil Uno's match. They sent Reynolds to a table, and then they then Preston, Preston Vance takes off the mask in front of Negative One and slams it on the ground in front of him, much breaking the young man's heart. That is how you garner a lot of heel heat right there. I, and I give it a mega push just for that the fact that you want to get heel heat on a heel turn that is an excellent way to do it the match was really good but this was a great way to close out rampage mm-hmm. all right that's it for our uh week in review for this week uh thank you to sif for uh leading that for this week again hopefully next and then next week we'll be back at our regularly scheduled time on saturday night where we'll be recapping the fallout from survivor series on raw and smackdown uh nxt as this continues to build towards deadline as well as aew with both dark dark elevation dynamite and rampage and the fallout from overdrive on impact next week but now it is time for final thoughts oh i almost forgot the grades for rampage i'm so stupid so just happened so (laughs) all right so ftr versus top flight for the rh world tag team championships got a b minus okay cool darby allen versus anthony henry got a c plus yep hikaru shida versus queen aminata got a c minus I would have given it a D. And the Dark Order versus Roosh, Butcher, and Blade got a B minus. I would have given it a B. Oh, so they didn't really score these very well. Just uh, 
barely average, but it is yeah. what it is. All right. Once again, now it's now it's time for final thoughts, where we get we give our thoughts on things either wrestling related or non wrestling related, and then plug our upcoming podcast for you. Of course, the Dark Sith Lord will lead us off. So, Sith, take it away. Okay, welcome back, everyone. So we're here on Thanksgiving weekend, and I thought I would give take a minute to tell you all that you're very much appreciated here for your support. I didn't know that when Champ messaged me over three years ago that we would come out and gone as far as we have, okay, with this podcast. I mean, here we are, 18 episodes away from our 200th episode, and we've been going through some major highs and some lows since last Thanksgiving alone. We've both had to deal with issues health-wise, not only with ourselves, but our families as well. It's been an introspective time since last November, and I thought I would take a quick look back. Last November, we were already here on Twitch. We were also in the throes of throwing around a few ideas. The basement started to get on a pace where it was recorded early in the week for a Sunday show. I had already introduced you all to the alternate basement, where I will be tomorrow night for Survivor Series War Games. Champ relocated to the AVA, and all in all, we had a good stride here overall. Sure, we've had to dodge our share of issues, including COVID, more times than it should have happened. But the constant, though, we've been got some really good work here, and we've gone through some hard-to-watch shows where it comes to wrestling, notwithstanding our look back at the Big Five for 1995. Holy fuck, that was miserable as shit. We've also had some solid, some shows that were absolute bangers, pay-per-view-wise as well. I want to take the time to first up say thanks to our families. You guys threw a lot, go through a lot with us watching a lot of wrestling and recapping it here for the podcast. I'd like to thank our significant others as well, given that they also sacrificed quite a bit for us to do our labor of love here. Thanks to our followers, our subscribers, our lurkers, our chatters, etc. As all of you guys kick ass, and when at our highest point, you're cheering us on. When we hit a low point, you guys are here for us as well. Our audio listeners as well. Thank you for listening to the shows, and also that also includes the New Japan shows that Champ and Sage knock out of the park as well. Thanks to the entire True Radio Network family, including our founder, the Great Black GOP, who always told us to aim for the stars and would also love love the expansion away from blog talk radio. Finally, a big thanks goes out to champ for messaging me over three years ago, as well as Donnie and Sage. You guys are my brothers. We go through a lot of crazy shit at times together, but we bang out kick-ass work and I fucking love you guys. Here's to another span of November to November insanity and that, my friends, is my final thought. Uh, tomorrow night, join Champ and I, as well as possibly a special guest, for our live stream reactions to WWE Survivor Series War Games. I will be at the alternate basement tomorrow night for this one. It's our next to last pay-per-view live stream of the year because we'll be doing NXT Deadline as well. Notes at basement this week, but December 4th has a DC show lined up for you all. Champ, I yield the floor. I had perfect time in getting back to that back here. All right. So uh, just a trigger warning here. What I have to say, it does have a trigger warning attached to this. 
Um, this week, a lot of our childhood was rocked by the unfortunate news of the untimely passing of the man who came to be known as one of the one of the more iconic uh, characters in all of action series. None other than Jason David Frank. Uh, at only 41 years of age, he is no longer with us. And it would be later revealed that his passing was of his own doing. People don't understand that... Oh, 49. Thank you. Thank you, Hector. 49 years of age. People don't understand that mental health is still a very serious thing, not only in this country, but all over the world. I have gone on record many a times about my own struggles with mental health. But what I have not gone on record for is say that I nearly attempted suicide once before three years ago. I was in my apartment. I was alone. I felt alone. I was working from home. And I didn't know what to do. So I went to my kitchen. I was sitting there making a, a cup, uh, a can of Chef Boyardee. And as this, it was starting to boil to get warm so I could eat, my, eat that for lunch and get ready for a staff meeting at 1 p.m., Something inside my head just told me, grab a knife, put it to your wrist, and just do it. So I grabbed the knife from out of the thing in the kitchen. I placed it right up against my wrist. But then something else inside my head popped and said, put the knife back down. What are you doing? And I went into my bedroom and I cried. Because I was that close. And no one would have found me because I was alone in my, host, in my apartment. But I didn't do it. I didn't do it. And you know why I didn't do it? Because the other image that came into my head was I'm not leaving my son without his father. No matter how much pain I feel, I'm going to gut through it. Because I want to see my son graduate high school. I want to see my son graduate college. I want to become a grandfather. And so I got through it a lot. Right now, I'm going through a tough time. I'm going through a really tough time right now. Usually around this time of year, it's a tough time for me somehow. Somehow, some way, I just go into this dark place. That's why when I'm in a lot of channels that I mod for, I don't say much of anything because I'm afraid that I'm going to say something that's going to come be off-putting and it's going to cause me to lose what I love the most, which is modding on Twitch. And it's, it's tough. But let this, be, let this be another sort of signal. No matter what your status is in life, depression can really take you. Look at, look at Robin Williams, one of the most critically acclaimed actors in all of the world. But he was so depressed and so in pain, he took his own life. Jason David Frank has had a reputation around as the legendary Green Ranger character in, in Power Rangers. One of the longest running members of the Power Rangers series. 
make you know doing everything within MMA and and everything but he still took his own life if you are having trouble if you are feeling that urge to do that please reach out to somebody talk to somebody cuz sometimes you never know just talking it out can make you feel better so if you're feeling like there's no hope in sight, talk to somebody, talk to a, a trained professional and just talk it out. You, 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 can, you never can underestimate how just letting your feelings go verbally will make you feel better. Hell, letting it go verbally and crying, just let it out. Don't hold it in. And thank you, Whitney. The 988 hotline is there for you. You just dial 988. And there's someone there that will talk with you and listen to you. We don't need any more people losing their lives because they can't feel they can't live anymore. A very close friend of mine took her life years ago. And to this day, it still hurts me. Because I never even got to tell her how much she meant to me. So, talk to somebody. It's very important. Because whether you believe it or not, there's someone in your life who would be destroyed if you weren't a part of it anymore. That's what keeps me going. The fact that my better half, my son, my parents would be devastated if I were no longer here because of my own doing. So I fight every day because I want them here. I want to be here for them and for myself. So there you go. That is my final thought. Coming up this week, of course, as Sif just mentioned, we will be live reacting to Survivor Series tomorrow night. Uh, it's going to be a fun time, so make sure you join us for that. Also, make sure you take part in the predictions on our Facebook page to see if you can win yourself a free subscription if you're not already subscribed. Also... Monday, I'm back on Sports on the Hill podcast. We'll be talking about the Commanders game against the Atlanta Falcons. They are currently they have currently won five of their last six games, including victories over the previously undefeated Eagles and a big victory over the Houston Texans. Uh, we will also talk about the Wizards week that was, including a very strange scheduling where they're in Miami for back-to-back -back games over three nights in Miami, which is the second game going on right now in Miami. They lost the, uh, lost on Wednesday night, yeah. so now they're going to try to win tonight as well. We'll be talking about that as well. Also, at the start of the show, for all you hockey fans, they will be Caps talk. Caps had a dominating three nothing victory over the Calgary Flames during the midday uh, during a matinee sh uh, game at Capital One Arena today. So they'll be talking about that as long as other the games this week. So make sure you check it out. Streaming live on Facebook, Facebook.com/slash uh, uh, just search the Sports on the Hill podcast as well as on Twitch.tv/slash Robbie G underscore Sports O T H P. And next Thursday we're back at our regularly scheduled time for World Tag League Super Junior Tag League Rebound. We're we will look back on the five events over the next six nights uh, for the both tournaments and give you our thoughts on the results and then predictions for the upcoming week after that. So that's it. That is all we have for you today. So appreciate you guys, guys being here. We just had an anonymous gifter just gift a sub to our guy, Dujanae Bland, not Bland21. So thank you to that anonymous gifter for that. Appreciate you as always. All right. 
For our audio listeners, as always, make sure you check out our social media platforms. That will be Facebook.com slash No Spots Pod. That will be Twitter.com slash True No Spots Pod. Also, talk True No Spots Pod. And, of course, our Twitch channel, Twitch.tv slash True No Spots Pod, where we will be streaming live the live reactions to a great event known to what we hope will be a great event known as War Games Survivor Series. All right. For you guys, we will see you guys next week. Peace out. Have a good one. Hey, guys, it's Champ here. We hope you enjoyed that episode of No Spots Podcast. If you did, make sure you are following us so you can be notified when we upload new episodes. And make sure you follow us on all social media platforms, Facebook.com slash No Spots Pod, as well as on Twitter at True No Spots Pod. We will catch you on the next episode. Myself, Donnie Wrestling, and The Sith for the No Spots Podcast on the True Radio Network.